Welcome to the Issa Rugby Podcast, where we bring you the latest news, updates, and interviews. With more insights from the Springboks. It is the Springboks champions of the world. The Junior Box, the Blitzbox, our two national women's teams, local competitions, and more. to an extract of the commentary from the Rugby World Cup final in Japan last year. Late in the first half, England were camped in the Springbok 22, launching the one driving attack after the other, bashing it up at times and spreading the ball wide when the opportunity arose, only to be kept out by some resolute South African defence. The man who was responsible for that effort was Springbok defence coach Jacques Ninaber, who was promoted to head coach earlier this year. My name is the Young Borchardt, and in today's SA Rugby podcast, we get to know the new Springbok coach a little bit better. Jock, thanks for joining us uh, from Cape Town. Um, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've started every podcast with the following question. What have you been up to in the last 100 plus days? Uh, yeah, the young, uh, not, not, not a lot. No, a lot, but uh, I mean, uh, we at home. Uh, I we almost I said the other day we almost like uh, like a jet standing on a runway without fuel, so we're just waiting uh, to get the go ahead uh, to start start our business. We would have um, been in the second week of Scotland currently, uh, so it's quite frustrating sitting at home and uh, obviously the things that we keep ourselves busy with is analysis and and stuff like that. We had some uh, meetings with the players every now and then and 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 basically planning and getting every all our ducks in a row that that when we get the green right the light to start with rugby that we that we're ready to just kick on from there hit the ground running so to speak speaking of running um us when we when we moved from level five i think to level four in lockdown and and the gates were open so to speak and people start exercising in the morning i think i saw you out couple of mornings you are a quite an avid runner if i'm not mistaken and you've you've have you done the comrades and two oceans maybe tell us a little bit about that uh yes i'm i'm i i i love running it's it it it's some it's it's one way of keeping sanity i think and uh so um yes i i i i have i haven't done the comrades uh um, normally the comrades is slap bam in rugby season but i have done a couple of two oceans uh, be, uh before and uh, the odd marathon so normally uh, my running uh, career would only be qualifying for the two oceans and then doing the two oceans 
but but I, I must say I, I would love to do one comrade, but uh, I think I should be done with rugby when I uh, when I do that because like I say it's normally right in the middle of the rugby season. Where do you find time to run during during a test week, for instance, Jacques? Do you get up early in the mornings and, and go for a run before the sun rises? How do you how do you balance that kind of work exercise life? Um, yes, uh, Dion, we, we I normally go out early in the morning. So uh, sometimes it's, we go to a gym. Uh, so, uh, there's not only me. There's normally a couple of the management that that that, that goes with. But uh, let's say we're in a nice destination like Wellington or where we were in Japan, I would normally go out early in the morning uh, and uh, normally between five and six. Uh, our day normally starts at seven o'clock with a, with a meeting. Uh, so, yeah, five to six, have a quick shower, some a quick bite to eat, and then, then the day starts. Yeah, it's a, it's a, full, it's a full day when, you, when you're involved at, at this level of rugby. Jock, I think... I think um, the purpose of this podcast would be also to, you know, apart from sharing your philosophy on the game and how you see it, just, you know, get to know you a bit better. Um, you've always almost, and I say this in inverted commas, lurked a bit in the shadows. You've been a, you've been an assistant coach and played a big role behind the scenes, especially with the box winning the World Cup last year. But maybe just tell the listeners, where do you come from? Where do you go to school? Varsity? Did you ever play rugby? Maybe a bit about your family. Just who's Jock Nienaber? Um, yeah, I come from. I, I was born in Kimberley, and 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 and, and uh, then my 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 uh, primary school years I spent in Ribiekstad there by Belcom, and then I went to the boarding school in Great College in Bloemfontein from Standard Six to Matric, and after I matriculated, I I uh, went over to the army. Uh, I joined the army for a year. It was still uh, for compulsory service back then. And uh, then after that, I started studying and uh, I started with a BSc. I'd, I'd, I had to um, improve. I, I, I didn't qualify to, uh, with my school marks, so I had to study BSc for a year uh, to get my grades up to qualify for physiotherapy. And then I, I started studying physio at the University of the Free State um, uh, for four years. And then... Uh, uh, with regards to my family, yes, I'm married uh, with Elmery, um, and we are married just over 20 years now. And I've got two kids. Um, I've got Lila, she's uh, my daughter. She is now in grade uh, eight, standard six. And my son, Carlu, is in matric, and uh, they both at Paul Gymnasium. It's a good thing that you don't have to homeschool them, I suppose. Carlo uh, is probably in, in res and back at school for a, for a good few weeks. He's got a big exam coming up. Uh, Jock, you mentioned the army. Um, that is also where your paths crossed with Rassi Erasmus, if I'm not mistaken. I met Rassi at the, uh, when, while we were in the army. He was uh, my friend, uh, Henny. They were roommates in the School of Armour. I was in the one uh, special services battalion, both at, the, at Tempe in Bloemfontein. And then uh, Rassi stayed on for an extra year in the army, and uh, I went to the university. And then we met up again when Rassi came to the university uh, on a more informal social social uh, uh, friendship. Uh, then 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 caught on. Uh, they were they were students in a in a student house just outside the university, and we had a few barbecues there. Rice. And um, and you studied physio. Was it ever your 
your plan to get involved in rugby or what did you want to do with your life when you were just out of the army, started studying at, at, at Corpses? Uh, I, I went and studied physio because I wanted to work with sport people, yes. But back in the day then, I'm talking about uh, 1992, there wasn't, there wasn't something like professional sport and physios weren't actually as involved in sports teams back in that, that day. It was, it was amateur. And so, but I, I had this vision of working with sports people in a sport practice. So that's that. That's the reason why I went and studied physio. Yes. And how did you get involved in rugby? Um, when I was studying, uh, I think in my third year, I started doing uh, uh, the, the 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 trauma treatment next to a rugby field. So so. Um, I was the the medic next to the rugby field, uh, but not for a specific team. Just there had to be medics next to next mm-hmm. to the the hostel games, and, and so I started doing that um, just to give myself some experience with acute injuries. And uh, then uh, in '95 came uh, we won the World Cup, and rugby went professional in '96, and that was the final year um, uh, of my studies. And then after that, uh, I started working, um, obviously, with more money coming into rugby and physios being part of rugby teams. I started working for the Free State at the junior levels in uh, 1997. Okay, so that's obviously, and 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 your your um, partnership with Rossi obviously grew from there. He was also still playing for the Free State at that stage. I want to fast forward a couple of years uh, to when you, you were... He started coaching straight out of straight after he hung up his boots, and then you were involved with the free state at that stage. I want to talk about a bit, a bit about Rassi and you know he's the way he, he approaches the game. He seems to be quite a meticulous planner, and um, you know someone who can identify an area where he can give his team his team an advantage. And I'm thinking here of how he with the free state back in 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 2005, round about there. He was rotating four props in a, in a squad of 22 before the days when when benches had to have a, a full front row on them. Uh, last year with the Springboks and, and the bomb squad, so to speak, you know, with a full tight five on the bench. Uh, everyone will remember his disco lights on the roof in Bloemfontein and, and communicating with his team via color cards. Um, how, how does he come up with these things? Or is it your idea? No, that's definitely not my idea. No, I must say, Rassi is, yes, you, you, you mentioned he's a meticulous planner and he's, he's a guy that would never leave a stone unturned. And, and then I would say he's very out of the box. That's probably the first thing that I've, that I've picked up, started working with Rassi from a, from a management point of view. I mean, as a player, he was always, uh, he was, also very good in terms of strategically thinking of moves and plans and micro plays around the rucks with Smiley and stuff like that. So he was always uh, uh, he was always looking for a little bit of an edge. And uh, then when I started working with him when he was the head coach of the Cheetahs, uh, after about um, three, four months, uh, we were early games of, of, let's say, a month playing Curry Cup. I, I just, he was just different, you know. I've worked with lots of coaches before uh, that was quite successful. Laurie Maines, who lost in the 95 World Cup. Tim Lane, who, who won a, a 99 with the Australians, uh, uh, the World Cup. So I've worked with, with a few coaches uh, that was uh, that was very good coaches at that time. But Rossi was just a little bit different. 
uh, very practical and out of the box is probably the two words uh, that that best describe him. Uh, so, yeah, practical but very out of the box. And and you were involved in in two thousand and five when Free State won the Curry Cup for the first time in something like twenty nine years. Then the drew you drew in the final with the Bulls the next year and won it again in two thousand and seven. Those must have been quite special times for a for a, for a guy involved with Free State rugby. Yes, it was. It was very special. It was. It, it was. And obviously, I think because it's probably one of the first big trophies that 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 you've been a, a part of. Uh, it's something that will always uh, stick in my in my head, and that would be very special. Uh, and and that's probably uh, it, it, the other thing that people probably don't see about Rusty is his ability to build a squad. Um, uh, Rusty assembled a squad there uh, of players that. That that was probably was almost has beens at at other other franchises and unions and and in his head he had this vision of what he what what, what free state were going to be you know and and, and he he assembled that squad of players uh, uh, that uh, from that, that then went on uh, winning two and drawing one uh, curry cup. Um, and uh, it's a, it was a special group of players. They they were all very hardworking. They were all warriors. Um, uh, they there wasn't egos in that team. Uh, it was like I said. It was that our biggest one of Rusty's biggest challenges was probably to to get them to be assertive and confident. Not confident, but you know, almost a little bit of cocky. You know, uh, because uh, so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was a it was a it, it it was a phenomenal team to be part of, uh, and very good times, good memories. We had, uh, like you said, the Bulls at that stage. We probably had one fifth of their budget, and we we uh, the, the challenge was for us to to put out as a professional setup and high performance setup as uh, as was possible, you know. And and we all had to dovetail in terms of jobs. Um, uh, I, myself was a physio, and I was the the strength and conditioning coach. Rassi was the director of rugby, head coach, forward coach. Elgard Miller was uh, he was the manager, but he was always the back, also the backline coach. Jakub Piper was our logistics manager, but also the referee that travelled with us. So, so we 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 were very limited in terms of management. Uh, but uh, uh, Rassi said from the start, listen, we have to double up and and, and take on multiple roles because we are going to put out a, 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 a system that is of high quality um, where the Bulls probably had the luxury of, of, of appointing somebody in each of those positions. We just, we, we wanted to push out the same, the same product, but just with half the staff. Was that also the time that you started dabbling in coaching and becoming involved in, in organizing the defense? Yes. So as a strength and conditioning coach, uh, normally, back in the days, then uh, you 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 warm the guys up. So before before Rossi took over, uh, Pierre Kleinans was the coach, and and normally the SNC coach or the biokineticists back in the day, then uh, they took the players for the first thirty minutes and they warmed them up. And the coaches would stand next to the field; they won't be involved in that. And then after thirty minutes or twenty-five minutes, the coaches will come onto the field and and they will start coaching. So it was almost two silos, two entities. You know, the warm-up wasn't mm-hmm. part of the rugby training. Uh, but when Rusty took over, he said, "Listen, we can't waste that time. Uh, we have to do 
that we have to um, touch on certain rugby elements. And and that's probably how things started back in the day is uh, I was thinking um, the only thing in rugby that you do without a ball, normally the first 10 minutes would just be running around, you know. So so then Russi uh, 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 had this brainwave that, listen, why don't we run our defense patterns uh, while we do that first 10 minutes of warm-up just to get the players mm-hmm. warm, We'll just go through the, uh, our defensive patterns and the organization of that, and that is that's how I got involved in 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 the defense side of things. Uh, the first manual was written by by Russi, and uh, then then I started taking over and uh, 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 this uh, on the, and started building on the stuff that that he created, and and that's how we just expanded in terms from a defensive viewpoint. Well, that's quite interesting. Um, obviously, after that, the two of you moved down to Cape Town. Big move for a for a boy from the from the heartland of South Africa. Um, and you also enjoyed some good times here with with Western Province and, and the DHL Stormers. Uh, what were your highlights during this time with with the with the Cape franchise? Um, the highlights was probably, if I think now, it was uh, the Curry Cups that uh, um, the Curry Cup victories. Uh, I think the first time that we won a Curry Cup was in 2012, and it and, and it was 10 years since Western Province last won one. I think they won it in 2001 and 2002. I might be mistaken, but but it was almost a, 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 a time, a 10-year drought of Curry Cups coming back to uh, to Cape Town. So th- that that would come to mind. And then obviously the 2010 season uh, where we lost to the Bulls in the final of the Super Rugby, uh, I thought we, we, we really played good rugby back then and, and uh, the team was, was in a very good place. Uh, so now we had some very good times um, in terms of of of, the, of our time at the at the Stormers and and also there the the squad our Rassi, it took him probably two years to build that squad that that, uh, that 2010 um, Super Rugby squad uh, because we started in 2008 and uh, during 2008 2009. Uh, the squad changed, and he got players in uh, like Jock Fareed, like uh, Brian Abana, uh got Dwayne in. So he was slowly uh, but surely building uh, this very successful squad that ended up winning mm-hmm. winning a, a couple of Curry Cups and playing in the Super Rugby final and a few Conference Cups uh, uh, in Super Rugby back in the day. If you won your conference, you got something for that. Uh, but yeah, we we had a few of those. You remember quite well, uh, Western Province won it in 2000 and in 2001, and then again in 2012. So that's actually 11 years later. So after after your time at Western Province, I think after the 2014 Curry Cup victory, uh, when you guys beat the beat the Lions in the final, um, you you moved full-time across to, to SA Rugby, and you at that stage, if I remember correctly, you were still with the, the mobile coaching unit, again under Rassi. Um, because I think he had also moved on to SRQ at that stage. Um, what were the positives of that setup? And and do you think it, it planted a seed for, for greater involvement and cooperation between SRQ and the Springboks and the franchises and the, and the provinces on the other hand? Yeah, for sure. I, I, it was a uh, Rassi had this idea of having this mobile unit that that can move around, you know, uh, that can go from the SA and the 20s, uh, SA schools, uh, the the youth weeks and going to the franchises, uh, so this unit that w- whenever somebody wants to use us, like um, the the SWD or Boerland or the Sharks or the Bulls, you know, the the the, the 
uh, normally the 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 more the biggest sides like the Sharks, the Bulls, the Stormers, uh, uh, um, the Cheetahs, that they normally have bigger budgets, so they can they can employ a defensive coach, they can employ a breakdown coach, they can employ a lineout specialist, so they can employ a scrum coach, so so they can normally get specialist coaching in. But uh, but the other provinces like um, the Pumas or uh, no maybe the, not the Pumas. Let's let's take for example SWB, the Falcons, um, um, uh, Griffins, teams like that. They they don't normally have uh, uh, the resources to to employ specialists. So Rassi's idea was: listen, let's mm-hmm. make he made he made us available for border for for uh, um, uh, th- teams like that. So. Whenever they they wanted to use us or utilize us, they just um, made a booking with us and we flew down and we spent some time with the coaches there and we ra- ran a few sessions. Uh, more of a supportive role. Uh, we never went uh, to, to, to franchises or, or, or teams uh, by, and saying, listen, this is what we you have to do. This is what we do at the box and stuff like that. It was more, listen, we'll show mm-hmm. you what we're doing. You can take whatever you want. If you want us to run a session for you, we'll run a session. If you only want us to talk to you as coaches, we will talk to you as coaches. So whatever the franchise is needed. And and like you rightly said, I say, uh, uh, I think that's probably one of my biggest um uh, positives that happened to me personally is because I started knowing the coaches at the different franchises and, and you, you start building a, a personal relationship with a coach. So where I'm currently, uh, or even last year when we came back from, from, from Munster, uh, it, it wasn't strange for me to walk to walk into a shark setup. You know the manager, mm. you know the, the kit man, you know uh, the physios, you know the doctors. Uh, so uh, it, it was a very uh, positive experience for me personally. Yeah, that's that's good, and that 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 cooperation I think probably culminated in in the winning of the World Cup in a way last year. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned Munster, where you, you where you coached for a season or so. It must have been interesting to get a, that kind of perspective from from another country. I mean, a, a, a massive club, a, a very well known and established powerhouse in in European rugby. What did you learn about the game in your time in Ireland? Yeah, the it is a it's quite a it is a change and and the change is there's multiple changes or challenges in terms for a coach going there. Firstly, uh, you work with a different uh, 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 I don't, I don't want to say player and uh, it must come out in the right way. You work with a different a different nationality. Um, you work with an Irish uh, player who's, who thinks differently about the game, who, who reacts differently. If you if you want to get him emotionally. Uh, in the game, you've got to press certain buttons. If you work with a South African player who's got a certain personality, you, you need to press a different button. So so the first thing is uh, the way we got players to to learn, uh, to to get them up emotionally for a game, it, it's completely different when we went to Ireland. They, they learned differently. They, uh, mm-hmm. they got emotionally charged up differently or or don't get charged up emotionally they and they so that, that was the first challenge how to connect to the player and how to establish learning and uh, into a player because it's different then secondly you play in a different uh, um conditions uh, in terms of weather conditions uh, 
um, history of the clubs, history of the games, history of the competition. It's not a curry cup where there is this. You, we, we all know the curry cup. And we know uh, the the north versus south and all the the diff- different integrate uh, little uh, storylines within the curry cup. When you get there, you're a blank slate. You don't know. Uh, how big European rugby is. You don't know where Toulouse is. Uh, you don't know how big the rivalry between Munster and Toulouse is. So you've you got to get almost a little bit of a backdrop of the history. And then, like I said, the conditions, you know, you play uh, every weekend, you play uh, in the Pro 14. It's not a South African team with a South African flavor of and style of play with a South African mm-hmm. referee. You play a Welsh team with a Welsh flavor, Welsh style, uh, uh, style of play, but you get refereed by a Scottish referee. So, so it was a very, very good experience uh, for me personally, and uh, and obviously, and for Rassi. I talk, can't talk on his behalf, but I know that it was a very good learning curve for us in terms of working with different players, learning different cultures, learning different styles of play uh, that you have to mm-hmm. coach against, and also uh, learning different interpretations uh, of referees from different nationalities. So it was a very positive experience mm-hmm. for us. Unfortunately, it wasn't as positive in South Africa while you guys were away. And, and especially in 2016, the Springboks lost, after the 2015 World Cup, lost a lot of experience, um, something like four Springbok captains retired from international rugby. Um, players moved on. And 2016 was a tough year for the box. Um, obviously, they improved a little bit in 2017. And then uh, Rossi was appointed and you guys both returned. It must have been good to be back in green and gold. And obviously, South Africa, um, your house, Biltong and Breifleis and all those, all those lacquer things. Yeah, no. It, listen, it was it was always we always said when we left for Munster, we uh, the plan was always to come back, um, uh, but we thought, well, you know what? Are you always map out and try and map out your your life? And 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 we thought, listen, okay, if if we come back, um, if we like, let's say fifty two, fifty three, and you take over the box, if you're still good enough and relevant enough, um, and you have, you spend four years with them. Uh, up to let's say then you're 57 years old. That that, that is a good stint, you know. Because normally, if you look mm-hmm. back at the history, uh, it's, it's funny. But Springbok coaches, uh, once once uh, the Springbok coach is done with the box, they struggle to get jobs, and I don't know why. It's almost the suicidal job, you know. Uh, um, mm-hmm. You can you can look back, uh, Jake, uh, for 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 for. For a period of time, he, 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 and it's not because he's not a good coach. You know, he's an excellent coach. It's just, it's just how it is. So, so mm. the, the challenge was always not to take the Springbok job too, too quickly because you know, if you, if you're out of that job, you almost struggle to get a job again. So that was our thinking, uh, and uh, so we thought, listen, if we're relevant enough and we're good enough, and hopefully we get another opportunity. But then, then. Um, Obviously, life happens, and and the opportunity came earlier, and and uh, yeah, it was it was it was so. Like I said, it was always something that we thought we are going to come back to, um, and when it came earlier, it was it was a, a nice thing to jump onto. It was always I was involved with the box in twenty eleven, uh, going to the World Cup, and it was probably one of the. The greatest experiences that I've ever had was was uh, joining the box. I never thought it would be such a big. Um, uh, you, how can I say it? It, it? 
everybody knows the Springboks, but until you're inside that team, you don't understand what it's mm. all about. Um, and, and it's a funny thing I'm saying now because I thought when I joined the box in 2011, I thought, man, I've, I've joined the Cheetahs, I've, I've, I've moved over to the to the, the Stormers. I've been at a lot of different teams. You know, I've been at, in 2004 with the SAA side touring in Argentina. So it's just another team. But the box aren't just another team. And you only realize that once you're in it. And, and, then, and then obviously after 2011, uh, 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 I came along and John took over and and then one, once you sit outside it you you, you kind of realize how, how big it was and, and and how much you miss it so now it was very emotional for, for me personally turning uh, coming back into the box mix and and uh, massive honor and privilege and with all the Braaflays and Budavors and getting back to your to your roots and your family and and your and your house and uh, yeah it was a very uh, pleasant experience and obviously, that pleasant experience um, just got better, um, and it and it culminated in in the in the World Cup last year in Japan. How good did it feel to see the culmination of that plan that you guys put in place to to play out the way it did, and and to, for the Springboks to win to win the World Cup final? No, yes, it was massive. Uh, I I mean, from this when the when we first started talking. In Ireland, uh, myself and Rusty, listen, there's an opportunity to, to maybe return back to the, 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 the box. Um, the whole chat was, listen, we believe that we can, we can actually win the World Cup. You know, Rusty was, was, was from the start, he was 100% convinced. And I'm going to be honest here. I, 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 I told him, listen, I, I don't know the players currently there. I didn't, I, there was a few of them that I haven't coached. But I know the players coming through because I worked with the SA in the 20s and SA school sides uh, up to 2016. And uh, so I know that there's a lot of talent coming through. So I said to Rusty, listen, there's definitely very exceptional players coming through that I can tell him. They, they're not in the mix yet, but they're knocking on the door. And uh, um, But Rusty was was from the start. He said, listen, this is the we, we need to go back now. And uh, the, the reason why I, I won't say I didn't think we could we, we can't win the World Cup, I just thought two years was was pushing the envelope in terms of getting things changed and uh, and, and aligned in two years uh, to, uh, to be competitive in a World Cup. But Rusty was was from the start, there was no doubt in his mind that 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 it's doable, and and then to see it, you know, um. Uh, I remember standing uh, there in Yokohama after the when we received the, the trophies and the medals. Uh, I was just standing there next to Rusty, and I think he 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 actually he said, "Listen, this is possible," and here we stand, and and it and it happened. So it was it was uh, surreal uh, that it that it that it played out like that, almost surreal, but but unbelievably nice. Yeah, definitely unbelievably nice, and for for many people, surreal. How different is it, um, as a qualified fissure, you were running touch on the other side. I think people who have seen the Springboks train and at matches, you, you are quite, you're quite hyperactive and you get involved and obviously relaying messages. That's a very important part of the whole thing. How different do you experience a rugby game being that close to the action? Yeah, it's, it's different. Different in a few ways. Um, the the first and foremost thing being next to the touch uh, uh, you are there as a as a physio uh, and health it, the players, players safety and their health is your primary role 
And and although people say, listen, yes, you rally, relay messages, yes, you do that, but but you almost you almost two three seconds behind the ball. So if a, if the box take the ball into contact, um, you you will not move as the ball gets passed from that breakdown. You will still watch that breakdown until the last springbok gets off the ground, and then you'll try and follow the ball again. So so it's a little bit different in terms of that. It's uh, but where we. Where I think um, the benefit does come in is if there's a break in play and a message has to go on, uh, because mm-hmm. you have a very good idea of what the plan is, and 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 um, whenever a call comes through, you can be very specific to who you go to to give that call. So it's not a broad message that that you would shout out uh, and if, for everybody to hear. If 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 they want to change certain tactics within a game. You will go to the players that's going to have, that's going to change that tactic. So, so, so your your message is is very specific. But in terms of watching the game, I think you don't get a. It, it's weird to say it, but you you actually you actually don't follow the game that much. So whenever there's a line break, if it's not right there on my side of the field, I don't have a clue what happened because uh, mm-hmm. you've got lots of between you so in terms of from a rugby perspective I don't think you see the game as well next to the field but obviously you are you are in the mix in terms of of when there's try scored against you you're behind the pole so you can actually feel the emotions of the players uh when you score points um you 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 meet the players on on, on the halfway line and and you you get a sense of a feeling of of where the players are at uh, and how they feel mm-hmm. and what the emotions are and what uh, if if there's nerves or uh, if players get nervous about things about making mistakes or make a wrong read you 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 are there that you can actually say listen man uh, it's bridge under the water you can you can assist and help with that so I I must mm-hmm. say I do think it's a, it's it is a it was a very very big plus point yes Jock do you being so involved in the game and so close to the action. Do you actually realize what's going on on the field? Did, do you watch the scoreboard um, in the World Cup final? Did with with ten fifteen minutes to go? Did you did you get the feeling that we've got this under control, or do you remain nervous and you're not sure what's going to happen next? And uh, how do you how do you live live that game in in that in that regard? Yes, yeah, no, you you don't have a clue. Uh, um, I don't have a clue. So to give you a practical example. Um, when when my pimpies when we off time I didn't know if we were hit or behind I don't know how many penalties we got how many we kicked over how many they got so when I walk the first thing I normally go in I said listen who's leading oh are we are we ahead and and then I will hear the score um uh, and then uh, my, when my pimpies scored I knew we were ahead now but I didn't know how far uh, and then. I always tell tell Elmery, I tell her, listen, I would like to be in a big game where we are with 10, 15 minutes to go. You actually, you, the game is a, you can, you 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 are far enough ahead in the game that you can actually just now stop uh, um, uh, stressing about the game and just enjoy and savor every moment or, or the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, but and funny enough, this was probably that game. But I mean, I didn't even realize it the first time. Uh, I actually knew what the score was. Was when uh, after Cheslin scored his try, uh, Rassi came on the mic and he said, "Listen, uh, uh, 
do do we think that that they can still catch us? And, and I was just asking, well, how much time is left? And and somebody said eight minutes. Uh, and I said, okay, how much are we in front? And and they and Rusty said no, twenty points because he wanted to to substitute Faf with Herschel, and that was our last substitute. So if we got an injury in in the next seven or eight minutes, we had to play or finish the game with fourteen men. So that was the reason why he was asking that. And and that's the first time that I realized we are twenty points up, and there's only seven minutes left. And 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 that, that's when I started uh, enjoying it um, for the first time. Yeah, that's quite that's quite interesting because I don't think people people realize that you you get so involved in the game that you actually you don't even realize what's happening while while the fans sitting at home and in the stands they they are almost enjoying it more than you are. Um, just on on Rusty, I mean, sorry, no, you wanted to say. Yeah, uh, um, on that the thing is like like when my pimpy scored his try. The, you don't. I don't even. I don't know if Andre slotted the, the the conversion or not. You you run to to your spot where I have to get the players, and the players come in, and, and normally we stand there and and we start thinking, yes, great stuff. We scored a try, but it's almost okay. Next job, okay. Listen, they are gonna they're gonna kick off. Um, where do we expect them to kick off? Are they chasing the game? Yes. What, what do we think their tactic is going to be then? So it's a, the conversation is a lot uh, uh, solution-based. So the moment uh, the kick goes over and you can see they're retreating, we, I don't actually know if they, we, we, we've kicked the conversion or not. Uh, we, we, we've started sorting out plans already and, and, and we lined up for whatever is coming our way again and then I get off the field. So that's normally how it happens. So mm. that's why you don't have an idea even, even if conversions are going over or not. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at your new role as head coach, obviously it's a great thing to have that kind of continuity in the Springbok coaching setup. It's something um, that's been lacking in the past from time to time. Um, what I think I think people realize what your role will be. How is Russi? How is Russi's involvement with the Springboks going to pan out in the next in the next couple of years? No, I think Russi is going to be. It's going to be as it was in the past. Whenever I think, um, no, how how it work currently is that the uh, Russi is currently in. If we don't play test matches, he is a, a lot more focused on the director of rugby stuff, uh, and I, I'm probably a lot more focused on the Springbok um, team stuff. Uh, the the rugby side of it, and then we will meet up. We meet up uh, every every couple of days, weeks, sometimes depending on our, our schedule and who's traveling where and what, and and then we will just give feedback. Okay, listen, this is where we're currently at uh, with the Springbok stuff, uh, and then if there's certain things that I need to know in terms of the director of rugby stuff, he would give me feedback in terms of that. Uh, but when the games start. Rossi will be as involved as he was in the past, and uh, because he said, "Listen, he, he's always and we, he's always a director of rugby that that is a hands-on director of rugby." And and I also like it. Mm-hmm. I, I would prefer it like that. Uh, we worked like that when we when he was director of rugby at, at Munster. Uh, so it is a role that we are comfortable with, and and uh, and Rossi is comfortable with. I'm comfortable with. Uh, um, and and yes, to lose a guy like Russi's experience, I've never been in a coach's box. I've been there once with a uh, when we coached the Barbarians, 
uh, and and it was something new to me. So so for to take me off the touchline and then put me in a box and then take Rossi out of the box where he's been there since two thousand and five, uh, to to lose all that that experience will be detrimental for us. So so uh, Rossi will be will it will be as it normally was as it was in twenty nineteen. Okay, thanks. Uh, I want to get into a bit more. Um technical stuff around rugby because I know that's that's what you that's what you really enjoy. I think a lot of people watching watching the the super rugby Aotearoa from New Zealand have seen um you know the breakdown law application and the new interpretations of it. Um are there any areas that you have identified that the game is likely going to going to be moving to with with the new ways that they especially that they that they police the breakdowns? I think the main thing on the breakdown is they want to make it safer. You know, uh, um, it, it, it just like they did with the tackle laws, you know, uh, with with mm-hmm. uh, getting players, defenders away from the head and necks of attacking players. Uh, I think the same thing, that's what that's World Rugby's uh, objective uh, is to, to make the breakdown safer. You know, Sam Kane broke his neck there when we played uh, the All Blacks in, in 2018 in Pretoria. So uh, and it was a it was a breakdown incident. So um, mm-hmm. I'm all for that. When if we can make the 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 if if we can make the, it's not new laws. It's just that they're going to strict and police the breakdown laws more stricter than in the past. To, and the reason mm-hmm. is to make it safer. So I'm all for that. If we can make the game nice and safe, so that. A, a, a youngster who's five, six years old, just getting into rugby, that his parents are comfortable and happy, uh, uh, that it's a safe sport, and that 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 that, that uh, the rugby is a game of contest, that the contest will be policed uh, uh, in a safe manner. I'm all for that. So uh, hopefully, uh, what will come out of it uh, is that it will be a safer, uh, more um contested environment um the the breakdown and i think i think the both the, the coaches and the players and the referees currently uh, as i watch the new zealand and australian super rugby games currently is that they're still getting to grips with it and it's probably going to be it's going to take some time uh, for for everybody to get to get to grips with how they're going to police the the breakdown um, uh, going forward from now on and it will be the same challenge for us uh, when we start playing again it's going to be it's going to take us it, it's taking New Zealand uh, they don't, I, I still think they, they don't get the hang of it yet and they, they're in week four now going into week five so when we start playing rugby uh, I, I suspect we're going to be a similar position where New Zealand are currently where we still struggle to get continuity in the game because we we are going to mess up mm-hmm. the breakdown. So I think it's going to take some mm-hmm. time to get used to it. So we know the breakdown's changed quite a lot over the years. Um, in your opinion, Jacques, how much has the game evo- evolved since your first involvement all this time ago? And and in which areas have you seen the biggest changes? Um. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Uh, I think of I'm, I think now back in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, when I started uh, with the coaching side. I mean the breakdown. Um, and I mean I think it's a lot. 
the 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 contest. Let's talk about breakdown. I think the contests, uh, n- not just breakdown, the tackle contest, uh, the aerial contest, the scrum, the lineouts, the mauling contest. I think in general the contest is uh, is a lot more fairer between attack and defense, and that for me is a positive. Uh, because you don't want to take that contest away because rugby is a game of contest. That's the difference between rugby union and rugby league or NFL or, or, or any other game. Uh, when the rugby, every facet of the game gets contested and it's it's a contest that you have to win if you want to get continuity and you want to get points on the board. So the challenge is, is getting that contest fair so that defense have an opportunity to create turnovers there, but also that attack, uh, uh, has the opportunity to get continuity there and apply pressure with continuity. So I think if you look at rugby currently, I think that the, all the changes from 2005 has, has made it a, a, a much fairer contest uh, for possession in all levels. Uh, like I said, from scrum, from uh, the the lineouts in the kicking game, uh, the offside lines. I, th- I think it's a lot better uh, product uh, that's, Produce currently than than what it was in two thousand and five, and and it would be funny for people to hear that. But you must do yourself a favor and go and watch the ninety five World Cup again, or go and watch a, a game that got played in two thousand and two, uh, and then you once you watch that and you go back to how the game is currently played, you would see that it's a much better product, in my opinion, than what it was in two thousand way back then. Mm-hmm. Um. Jock, obviously with the with the lockdown, uh, people are missing the game. They're missing to watch rugby on, on, on the weekends. But there is probably a little bit of a positive, and that is um, that it has allowed players who would now be mid-season, working hard, niggles, that kind of thing. It's allowed them the opportunity to get a proper break of at least three months. It could be another few weeks, we don't know, um, to recover from. So... That's probably not a bad thing at this stage of the of the season. Yes, I think if you uh, there's always positives and negatives in everything, and I think if you look at um, at the lockdown and you look at it from a positive perspective, it's almost like every single player of South Africa had a nice sabbatical, you know. So um, th- that's the positive. So so we we had a few big injuries uh, when lockdowns uh, uh, when we went into lockdown. Um, and uh, a lot of those players are now at the moment we can start uh, training again. Guys like Sia, guys like Kitsi um, uh, uh, might be uh, ready to go again and Peter Steph maybe a, a, a month or two behind them. Uh, so a few of the, the, the guys who played in the World Cup final who got injuries will, will be able to, to start playing again. And like I said, the other players who all had a little bit of niggles and they almost had a little bit, a, a sabbatical, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the positive. Uh, then, so yes, there is a few positives in it. Jock, um, I want to jump ahead to next year. We've got a, a big tour coming coming to South Africa. The British and Irish, Irish Lions are expected to tour here. Where were you in two thousand and nine when they came here? Were you involved with Western Province? And I think the game was played in torrential rain here at Newlands. And what do you expect from them next year, having played against Welsh teams? being coached by Warren Gatlin so often in the last couple of years? Uh, yes, I was. Uh, 2009, I was with the Stormers uh, or, or the Western Province, and we, we it was in torrential rain. You, you, you remember very well. 
Uh, and uh, I think we lost the game, if I'm not mistaken, at most, I think it's 25-22 or 23. It was it was a close game at the end. Um, uh, what I expect from them, I mean, uh, Warren Gatlin's uh, coaching ability and, and the team that he's assembled in the, in the, the previous two tours uh, to Australia and New Zealand uh, speaks for itself. I mean, they've, they, 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 they've won, I think, the Australian Test uh, Series that they won in Australia uh, in 2013 or, or whenever they played them was, was the first time in, I think, I don't know, 16 years that, that, that they won. Uh, 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 no, since uh, two, uh, the last time they, the British and Irish Lions won a series was in 2000, it was against us, I think, in 97. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so I think, um, I mean, that speaks volumes. And if and I, I just saw a tweet this morning of how big that, that one of those scores were. So it was a convincing victory for the British and Irish Lions. And then in when they went to New Zealand, I mean, we know how tough it is to, 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 to get a draw in New Zealand and to get a win in New Zealand. So I think uh, Warren is and his coaching staff will will, will get they very experienced in the in in the British and Irish Lions setup and 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 the dynamic of it and and infusing four four uh, unions and four styles of play and and uh, knowing what buttons to press uh, press uh, to get the, the the Scots emotional and to get the Irish skill set involved and to get the the this the the grunt of the English pack involved so i think they pretty much got their ducks in a row in terms of that so it's going to be a massive challenge for us and and uh, the the negative for us is we we don't actually have idea what what type of style they're going to bring to South Africa you know so it would be interesting um, um Obviously, watching Warren uh, uh, coaching the Chiefs currently to see where they are going and where they're heading, and uh, we might bring some of that over to South Africa next year. So I think it, it's just there's a lot of intrigues and uh, storylines there that that makes for for one uh, massive clash uh, next year. I'm pretty sure most people can't wait for that series to kick off. Um, Jock, before we say goodbye, thanks again for your time. I've just got one last point. Um, with the lockdown, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of players, especially, you know, kids in matric at school. Your own son is in matric, who may have lost out on the opportunity to play the final big year of, of rugby at school. Um, you know, maybe play for the first team or play youth weeks and possibly SA schools. Have you maybe got a message for for those kids and and you know, looking forward going going ahead in, in their careers after they have finished school? Yeah, I th- I think the what COVID taught me or what what I've experienced with COVID is the, first, the you must realize that it is what it is and and this pandemic came and 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 it's going to be with us and it's going to be with us. We don't know how long it's still going to be with us. So so the first thing is to to realize that it is what it is, and then you must make a decision after you you get that realization uh, that. You now decide. You create your own reality uh, in terms of if you believe that it's been a dismal year and uh, or that that you've lost a lot. And if you believe that that is the truth, then you know what you you're going to be right. But if you believe that, listen, 
it is what it is and I'm going to still make the best out of it when I'm going to go back to school I'm I know it's only even if it's only three days a week or I'm going to enjoy the the limited time that I have with my friends that I have with the hostels that I have of my my last uh, a year in matric I'm going to enjoy as much time with with, with the people around me and my mates around me then you know what you're also right if, if if the the moment you see and and that's probably the thing i think you must see it in the positive light and and take it for what it is and then make the best out of uh, what you have left and the time you have left i think that's how life is you know uh life life happens and, and then you decide what the reality is if you believe it's the dismal you're right if you believe it's positive you know you're also right mm-hmm. and obviously what happens at school shouldn't define what a what a player should dream and strive for. Um, I think one of our greatest Springboks of all time, Brian Abana, never even played in the Graven Week. So it, it gives you an indication he's a World Cup winner, he's the top try scorer for the Springboks, World Rugby Player of the Year. That shouldn't define you as a player. No, 100% correct. And and I think the systems in South African rugby, the, the, the early player development systems, uh, is of such an quality that the players you one year your matric year won't actually be the defining factor i mean it's a profile that you build from when you get into the junior uh, uh, ranks so for the players who've been in the in the ranks they've been watched since from under 16 uh when they first uh, mm-hmm. uh went to Grand and a profile has been built on those players for the players who weren't in that group I mean, the World Cup squad we currently have, uh, or the World Cup winning squad of 2019, if, if you go and you look at those players, if you go and look at a guy like Mopimpi, if you go and look like uh, at Lukanyo Am, uh, they, they don't come from uh, uh, massive schools, uh, um, uh, and, and they, they came from different backgrounds, different uh, environments, different... Uh, uh, pathways. It, it, so you're 100% right. Uh, be not, not playing in a Craven Week or playing for your provincial under-18 team doesn't define you as a rugby player. Uh, it only starts after that. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. then you create your reality. Yep. Jock, thanks so much for your time and that positive message to end up with. Um, hopefully you guys will be out on the on the training field again soon we've got our fingers crossed for that and good luck for the season and yeah thanks again for 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 sharing some of your stories it's much appreciated no I, thank you uh de jong it's been a pleasure as always and um uh, yeah thanks for 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 this awesome time i really enjoyed it thank you for listening and please join us again for the next sa rugby podcast For more, click on springbox.rugby or check out our social media channels.